Okay, hello everyone and welcome to Actus Radio, the nation's only radio program dedicated to the clinical documentation improvement profession. Actus Radio is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. Today, Wednesday, April 10th, marks our 120th program. I want to remind all our loyal listeners that Actus Radio is now a full-fledged podcast. So if you can't listen live, you can also subscribe to the podcast version via Apple Podcasts and listen on the go on your favorite mobile device. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, CDI's Role in Population Health. I'm joined today by my co-host at left, Alan Frady, familiar uh, presence on Actus Radio. So Alan is our CDI education specialist with us here at Actus, where he teaches clinical documentation improvement boot camps and serves as a subject matter expert. By way of background, Alan is an accomplished consultant with a background in coding and documentation. His experience includes 12 years as a coding consultant, two years as a coding director, and six years as a CDI consultant and I'm pleased to have him back on the program. So welcome, Alan. Thank you, Brian. All right. Next, I'd like to introduce our industry guest, making her first appearance on Actus Radio. We have with us today, Casey Birnbaum. Uh, Casey is Director of HIM and Revenue Cycle for UC San Diego Health, where she provides enterprise-wide leadership and strategic direction for HIM coding, charge capture, clinical documentation, and revenue integrity. Additionally, uh, she serves as an adjunct faculty member for San Diego Mesa College HIM and an officer of the SDHC board. She's also past president of AHIMA. Uh, Casey has been named a distinguished health alumna for the University of Kansas and a 3M 2018 Innovator of the Year, and I'm thrilled to have her on today's program. So welcome, Casey. Thank you. All right. Well, as I always do, I'm going to start with a poll question related to today's topic. Uh, let's pull that up here. Um, the question reads, does your CDI department assist with documentation improvement efforts to improve the capture of population health data? And your options are yes. Uh, no, but we're planning to do so or further investigate this. No and don't plan to. Don't know or not applicable. Again, we would like to know, does your CDI department assist with documentation improvement efforts to improve the capture of population health data? And your options are yes, no, but maybe planning to do that or investigate further. No and don't plan to, don't know, or not applicable. We'll wait just one more minute here. Looks like we've got about close to 70% of our audience that have voted on this poll. So we'll go ahead and, looks like they're stabilizing pretty well here. We'll go ahead and close this out, and then we will come back to this poll question later on in today's show. All right. As I mentioned, our guest today is Casey Birnbaum. Casey, welcome to the program. Thanks for being a part of Actus Radio. Um, 
you know, just for context for our listeners, again, what we're doing with these uh, last few Actus radios is previewing sessions that we're going to be holding at our 12th annual Actus conference uh, to be held May 20 to 23rd at the Gaylord Palms in Kissimmee, Florida. Um, so the full title of Casey's se session is actually Enterprise Documentation and Coding Strategies to Improve in Population Health. I couldn't fit all that in the Actus Radio email, um, but I'm, I'm thrilled to um, be hosting uh, Casey's full session at the conference. Uh, we do note in the description that participants will learn how to redesign the coding and documentation enterprise to create a holistic, singular approach to improve HCC risk adjustment coding, enterprise charge capture, quality, and medical necessity edits. Uh, so you're covering quite a bit, Casey. We can't get into all of that today on today's program, but I'm hoping we can get a little bit more into this uh, concept of population health. So maybe you could start um, just what it means at a high level for those that aren't familiar. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Brian and Alan. It's great to be on the program this morning and joining you from your um, San Diego station. So based on the lack of uniformity of an industry recognized definition, um, Richard Pizzi attempted to nail down a definition and he actually surveyed a cross-section of 100 healthcare thought leaders comprised of executives from the provider community, payers, academia, and also public health officials. And it was recently re-released in HIT News. And he really felt that population health is a term that everybody uses it. It's the, um, you know, the popular term in healthcare, but not really, um, you know, understood. And there's lots of definitions that float around as well. Some focus strictly on measurement. Others um, emphasize some accountability. So um, it really begs the question, what does it truly mean? Who's responsible? And what impact does it have on our current healthcare environment? So in the concept, which was interesting, actually um, didn't come about until 2003. And David Kindig and Greg Sauter defined it, defined it as a health outcome of a group of individuals um, including the distribution of outcomes within a group. Um, and really, when you look at that definition, it really doesn't acknowledge or explain the role of our healthcare providers who must, um, what they must do to impact those outcomes. And, and really, that was um, underscored by the, the um, healthcare leaders who really felt that the original definition really didn't say much. Um, and, and the responses were very different as well. Um, and many view it, though, as an opportunity for healthcare um, systems, agencies, payers, and uh, the organizations in, in which they work to improve healthcare outcomes of the communities they serve. So to really take more of a broad brush to it. And certainly that's what the CDC did with their 618 initiative. And, and locally in San Diego, we partnered with the County of San Diego to address gaps in healthcare while instituting measures that will positively impact all lives in San Diego. We have um, Get Well San Diego that really looks at re reduction in tobacco use, um, controlling blood pressure, improving antibiotic use, controlling asthma, preventing unintended pregnancies, um, and preventing type 2 diabetes. So these are just some of the things that we've done 
um, again, in partnership with San Diego. And then some other um, trends and questions that have emerged um, is the area of responsibility. Um, do the healthcare outcomes of, of a specific population rely on the behaviors of the population, the actions of providers, or both? You know, in most instances, we would definitely agree with that. And then um, no population health initiative is complete without the focus on the triple aim, which is now really the quadruple aim. Um, you know, we're looking at cost, quality, experience. It used to just focus on consumer experience, but now we're also looking at the provider experience because if our providers are, um, you know, going going numb, you know, and, and we hear about death by a thousand clips, um, we need to make sure that the provider experience um, doesn't does it, you know, enables them to have a meaningful experience um, and it augments their interaction with the patient, doesn't detract from it because they're clicking all this information and not really paying attention. Um, and now we're also adding the social determinants of health. Um, United and, um, and the AMA just announced a new partnerships to develop new ICD-10 codes to, to standardize how data is collected and processed. And an approach that was originally developed by the Institute of, of, of Healthcare Improvement, um, the, again, the triple aim now has all of these various components to optimize health system performance. Right. And although we haven't really reached a universal consensus on pop health, um, you know, it, it really has um, required us to think differently, not only about how we define it, but the way healthcare is delivered. Um, and in our experience with telehealth, non-face-to-face -face visits, um, home visits and management, and as we take on more risk for a widely diverse population, some of our traditional approaches no longer are really relevant or really, you know, help us to um, assure that our that things are are working the way we we think they should. And, you know, the consumer is king now, and they really define how they want to experience their own healthcare experience. Mm -hmm. I know Thanks, that was Casey. a lengthy introduction, but um, I think it helps to kind of connect the dots and ground us on what it is we're trying to do or achieve. Absolutely. So, Casey, this is Alan. <laughs> Death by a thousand clicks. Uh, we have our own version of that. The, uh, the Actus instructors, I call it death by a thousand PowerPoint slides. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm interested in, in, though, is what are some of the specific key metrics that you guys are drilling down to? Uh, you know, are there certain KPI that you're looking at? Are there certain Z codes? Are there certain diagnosis codes? Well, we're somewhat familiar with HCC and Medicare Advantage. Um, but you're doing a more holistic approach, so I'm really interested in knowing, um, it, it, you know, some of the key diagnoses that you're looking at. Absolutely, and um, you know, this year it's all about the zoo codes, and we're in San Diego, so we have the best zoo any place. But um, that was all kind of redefined for us October 1st of 2018. And for those of you that are in the trenches on this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and it's the zoo code, which um, really, um, it, it's the code that's used for the annual 
wellness visit or what Medicare Advantage defines, um, you know, as a health risk assessment. And it's basically to state that no abnormal findings are identified. And if abnormal findings are identified and associated with your wellness visit, it's zoo.01. So, uh, so it's a, it, it, it is a, a Z code, Z00.01, um, or 00. And we definitely want to use the, the opportunity to identify all the chronic conditions that qualify uh, as HCCs during the annual wellness visit um, that contribute to our risk adjustment factor, or RAF score. Um, and we can't use this in the primary position if other specific codes are identified or it just blows out of every um, edit. So we need to address it and move it to the right position. But really our focus um, from a Medicare Advantage standpoint um, and really moving the needle with, with those initiatives, and again, there's still over to our entire patient population, but our focus and improvement met metrics around capturing and coding to the highest degree of, of specificity, diabetes, hypertensive heart disease, chronic kidney disease, major depression, obesity and protein calorie malnutrition, COPD, arrhythmia and vascular diseases, and psychiatric and substance abuse disorders. So those are the areas that um, we're looking, we, we have our baseline and, and we've really, we're, we're focusing on improving all of those conditions. Very nice. And it's nice you have that nice, uh zoo acronym that helps out with the San Diego Zoo, which I know is a must-stop when you're out in that area. <laughs> Absolutely. Hopefully you'll do an ACTUS conference in San Diego soon. Yeah, we, we did one in 2011. I think we're due again. We'll make it easy on you for be, get be right in your backyard there, Casey. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious just uh, what, what, what kind of prompted this new focus for you. I know these are emerging areas that we're seeing uh, you know, was there a certain population that you guys have out there whose health variables needed to be better tracked or assessed, or was it a new contract you entered, a risk-based or value-based contract, or some other initiative that, that prompted this additional uh, expanded focus for your CDI and uh, coding departments? Absolutely. So our, our metrics really focuses on, you know, as, as I said, to, to incre increase our wellness visits, um, to really um, use that as an opportunity to, to capture um, all the, the HCCs. But, but really what um, has led to this is um, our Medicare Shared Savings Plan, our MSSP, um, which is an ACO, uh, where we're responsible for lives outside of the UC San Diego system. Um, also, um, we are at full risk or um, shared risk with a number of Medicare Advantage plans. And then other um, ACA plans, um, again, where, where we're at full or shared risk. Um, and each of those plans, you know, have, um, as we partner with, with payers, they have, you know, maybe a, a different slant or focus. Um, and we get lots of feedback from the plans, too, in terms of where we're at with our risk adjustment factor and where it should be and what HCCs, what HCC opportunities um, they found in doing 
their retrospective reviews. Um, but we have partnered um, with an organization um, with the goal of increasing the metrics, and we've done four boot camps um, and brought together anyone who codes a record, who queries um, a provider, or who educates um, a provider, as well as we've done focus sessions for our providers as well. Um, we've done four of these over the course of the last um, couple of years. It's really made a difference for us as well. And all of our risk adjustment metrics, um, again, have improved from closing the key prevention gaps, which are the STAR um, and MIPS measures, to capturing HCCs, um, again, to reflect the specificity and severity of each condition, because we may capture it, but it's not specified to the degree that it needs to be. And one thing with, with the whole HCC risk adjustment system is you have to start over every single year. Mm -hmm. So even though it may be in the problem list, the, the whole slate is wiped clean every January. So then, um, you know, if we don't have that annual wellness visit, um, we, we basically have to recapture everything that was previously identified. Um, and then, again, we're using every opportunity as we're code or querying a provider to identify where there might, might have been um, opportunities to specify a condition or if, you know, we have some of the documentation but not everything's there, you know, then again, we can unify our approach and um, assure that no HCC leaves uncaptured. Right. It is very nice that the population of the United States gets 100% healthy every January 1st, just in time. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. It's really a game. And then, as I said, the payers do what they call sweeps. So they want to make sure if they're at shared risk with us, um, you know, that, that we haven't left anything behind. So it's, it's, it's a very, um, you know, extensive effort, very cumbersome to make sure that this all comes together mm -hmm. and that we accurately re reflect how sick our population is. Thanks. All right. Um, Cassie, I have a question. From a management standpoint, I can imagine that you could potentially get pushback and there could be resistance in this idea of population health. I know it's hard to imagine that, right? But what do you, what do you say to people or what, how do you handle skepticism as we try and move people out of their fee-for-service, you know, line item per diagnosis, DC or ACC mentality into a, a more broad focus, which is any type of a diagnosis that could be a risk adjuster under multiple types of systems. I mean, that's a lot more work for CDS to have to do. Uh, and how do you how do you get your head around that? And what do you say to uh, folks who are who are resisting? Well, I think it's it's been really interesting in our organization, and certainly on the provider incentive side, um, we're trying to really. Um, align that with what we're trying to do with this initiative because our docs are still very fee-for-service focused and, you know, adjusted work RVUs as a component, a large component of how they're compensated. So we, we are doing some work in that area as well. But in, in terms of the CDI team, coding teams, and all the other audiences I mentioned, if anything, this is really um, elevated and promoted the critical role of documentation to drive improvements 
in accurately re reflecting the health um, and the risk of all of our covered lives. And, um, and one good thing, a byproduct of this, is we have actually been able to add resources to really fuel the effort. Um, and then we're also looking at ways to simplify the provider's process and capturing the documentation um, at not only at the time of the annual wellness visit, but with each subsequent visit so that they can capture everything. They, we want to, want to make sure they close any of the health prevention gaps. And, um, and again, we're looking, I mentioned, you know, death by a thousand clicks. It's also death by hundreds of queries because we're querying our providers to death. So mm -hmm. we really want to look at what we can do to leverage technology um, and really provide, because our providers are clinically capturing at the point of care, they're capturing the diagnosis codes, and then they're also capturing um, the CPT codes, so their level of service, as well as if there's any other procedures that are done at the, at the point of care. So if we can use that opportunity to kind of nudge them and identify where they might have missed things, that's so much better than, than having a coder or a CDS having to chase them after the fact. So we're really looking at how we can, um, you know, smartly use that without having a bunch of false positives come up and annoy the doc too. We, we, we don't want to have them get query fatigue just as they're getting other types of EMR fatigue. Right. And yeah, and then also we're using um, we use Epic in our organization, so they're what we call best practice alerts. So there's also approaches um, to help to assure that they are addressing everything that they need to. So um, Epic does everything, you know, smart phrases. So there's, there's all sorts of shortcuts that we have to help that as well. Um, and then, you know, finally, we want to make sure that we have a safety net. So if the provider is rushed or, um, you know, maybe it's a new provider in or organization, we haven't had a chance to do all the augmented training and education, um, we want to make sure that we route um, anything that they have kind of self-coded to a work queue so that we can make sure, and that's for those plans that we are at full risk, um, that we haven't missed anything. So then we would, you know, look at the documentation and um, make sure that everything was, was correctly and completely captured. And then also, uh, we are coding a number, probably about 70% of um, our organizational encounters across the continuum. So when we, when we are actually interacting with an encounter, then we are looking for any HVCs, and we do have um, our the system that we use for CDI as well as coding tells us where there is an HCC opportunity. All right. So it's the full spectrum with technology. And I know you're going to be uh, getting into that more in your presentation in May. Um, we are about out of time with our interview with you, Casey, but uh, I'm really looking forward to what you have to offer at the Actus Conference. Uh, for those that are listening today, uh, she will be doing a, you know, a, a session there in our idea laboratory track on some of these new concepts and hope folks will come out and uh, and check out Casey and and her and her great uh, case study here at at um, 
at UC San Diego. So we're looking forward to that very much. Let's um, let's go to back to our audience poll. Again, we did ask folks. I'm going to pull this up and share that with our audience, the results. Uh, we asked, does your CDI department assist with documentation improvement efforts to improve the capture of population health data? So minority, I say yes, 21% are. Another 12% said no, but we're planning to do so and or do, uh, do some further investigation into that. 22% um, do not and don't plan to. 40% don't know. Looks like a lot of educational opportunity here, or maybe folks that hospitals aren't doing it, but they're not involved in it yet. And five percent not applicable. So maybe I'll ask you, Casey, what do you what do you think of these poll results? Anything surprising here? Um, yeah, just a little disappointed, but um, I think that hopefully folks will come to my session so I can provide <laughs> a blueprint for ways to to get you all involved in these exciting initiatives. Absolutely. Any thoughts, Alan? Um, I find that it is off the radar of a lot of CDIs, and I think it's something that we really need to uh, to push, actually, to push more and more. I think a lot of these diagnoses are falling by the wayside when they shouldn't be. Right. All right. Well, at this point, let's move to our In the News segment of the show. Uh, in the News is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession. Casey, I thought you'd be an ideal person. This is one of the reasons why I picked this story to uh, comment on the story from Becker's Hospital CFO Report. You should be seeing this on your screen. It's uh, Hospital Revenue Cycle Trends to Watch in 2019, Eight Thoughts. Um, as I always do, I will provide uh, a link to this uh, in the show notes from today's program. But essentially, from the article, it reads that shrinking reimbursement rates and increasing costs help keep hospital and health system CFOs and revenue cycle leaders constantly seeking strategies to improve the financial health of their organizations. Uh, boosting revenue cycle performance is a key imperative for hospital leaders and they're implementing new technology and partnering with vendors to navigate the ever-changing reimbursement landscape. So what uh, Becker's has identified here, there are three main um, areas to watch in RevCycle uh, in the coming year are a push for trite, excuse me, <laughs> a push for price transparency, uh, greater demand for revenue cycle management outsourcing, and uh, mergers and acquisitions driving new implementations. So uh, these are particularly interesting to me. We were actually chatting about this prior to the show. Um, for example, price transparency. I know the CMS final rule on pricing transparency is not without some criticism because charge master data is, if you put it up without any context, not of a lot of use to the individual consumer. But uh, it's an interesting first step, I think, as we get this uh, and more data and better pricing available to, to um, patients and consumers. Um, and as for revenue cycle management outsourcing, you know, this to me, it, um, being in the industry, not, not as long as uh, you, you are, Casey, but even as little as, you know, maybe 15 years ago, it seemed every hospital had its own HIM coding department. Um, but now as these payment systems and policy have become a lot more complicated, as we've been discussing on today's show, seeing uh, the need for outsourcing 
meaning maybe revenue cycle management companies. We're not necessarily talking about overseas, but even local, you know, U.S.-based sort of taking this on for hospitals. Um, and you can just see how it might be easier to outsource this type of complexity when we have things like, you know, readmissions, bundled payments, social determinants of health, influencing payments, risk-adjusted payments, um, and contracting. Uh, it's getting to be a complicated world. So just curious, uh, Casey, uh, what you thought of these trends and how they might align with your priorities at UC San Diego Health. Absolutely. And um, I know I also have responsibility for the CDM, both uh, facility and proceed. So uh, we were very, very busy towards the end of the year. And then CMS, um, I was telling Brian and Alan, they throw threw a monkey wrench a couple weeks before and one of the average charges for DRG. So we um, also um, posted that uh, file on our, our website. I know a lot of organizations have kind of buried it on their public-facing websites just because, um, unfortunately, it begs, as Brian indicated, begs more questions than it really answers it. And in the beginning, I did get a couple of calls um, from reporters through our media relations, and they were really trying to compare, and they started just with, you know, normal deliveries and just got such, you know, apples to oranges comparisons. But I think what it did do, and I think a lot of the um, media hype that it received is that a lot more patients are, especially with these high deductible plans, are are asking for, you know, what is it, what is it going to cost? And they don't want to just know the hospital side, but they also want to know all the um, physician side of it as well. So just coming up with really good um, price estimates for our patients. We're getting um, many more. We know some of our patients are shopping around as well. I mean, again, consumers are king. So, um, and what we're um, in the process of doing is posting um, and having available in the patient portal the ability for them to um, identify how, how much it's going to cost so that they're prepared when they come into our organization. Right. Interesting. Appreciate that, Casey. This will be interesting to follow um, as this continues to progress and we see more transparency. Any any thoughts from you, Alan, on, on uh, Becker's predictions? <laughs> well, in terms of transparency, in a former life, I was a, a CDI for a company that was mostly revenue cycle focused. So we were doing these top-down case management charts, entry coding, uh, everything, top-down overhauls of the entire revenue cycle of facilities, and I was just the CDI piece of that. And what we found, interestingly enough, was that in certain situations, I've talked about this before, there are toxic cultures, and you can have toxicity in the individual staff, in the management, the change management strategies may not work. And what we found, and sometimes it is almost easier uh, to ensure return on your investment in KPI to just take over the entire thing, to completely outsource it rather than going in and trying to uh, train and implement in some situations. So um, I, I, I do see that as potentially a continuing trend, especially for some of the smaller. And one of the key pieces was cost transparency is from the consumer perspective. One of the key pieces of the entire decision of whether or not you're going to go is having that uh, 
cost transparency when you're trying to decide between you want to go to the hospital on the left side of town or the hospital on the right side of town and exactly how clear is it what what it's going to cost you right you know and this is an interesting statistic here black book survey revealed 80 percent of hospital leaders were vetting or considering outsourcing full rev cycle management by 2019 that's pretty startling so more to come there um I know we're past time. I did just want to wrap up very quickly by congratulating uh, in our Actus update segment our four new Actus advisory board members. These were voted on with a popular vote of the Actus membership. We have joining our board in uh, 2019 for three-year terms of service, Sherry Blanchard from Orlando Health, Tracy Bolt from Essentia Health, uh, Vaughn Matical from Viden Health, and uh, Chinita Mogbo from Tenant Healthcare. So these four individuals will be joining our Actus Advisory Board in 2019. In fact, they're already being pressed into duty. So we're very glad to have them on board to help us keep a pulse on the CDI industry and, and to help drive uh, policy changes. So thank you to those four folks. All right. Well, that is going to do it for today's edition of Actus Radio. Um, we hope to see you back here again in two weeks for our next program. This is the fourth and I believe final in our run-up of programs to our 12th annual conference in May. We're going to be having uh, Dr. Howard Rodenberg on to talk about research as the future of CDI and some interesting research projects he was involved in in his facility and how he's used those to uh, drive some, some uh, changes in his organization. So, as always, if you have any suggestions for future guests or ideas about the format of the show, you know how to reach me. It's um, bmurphy at actus.org. That will do it. Again, thank you very much, Casey, for joining us today. Great job, and we'll, uh, we'll see you in May at the Actus Conference. Take care, everyone. <laughs>